Hello and welcome. This is the Real Football Podcast. I'm your host, Lenny, aka Pookie, and let's get into it. So, this week, oh me, oh my, we had fantastic Champions League action going on. And when I say fantastic, I mean absolutely horrible from my own personal perspective. But the rest of the world enjoyed it. And unfortunately, a few, a fair few, let me know how much they enjoyed what took place on Tuesday. So let's just dive right into it. I'm the kind of person who likes to get the bad news first. So let's get that out the way. The elephants in the room, Liverpool versus Real Madrid at Anfield first leg of the Champions League round of 16 tie. A replay of last year's final, a replay of the previous year's quarterfinal and same old results, same old results. Real Madrid just can't, we, Liverpool's, kryptonite Klopp's kryptonite has been Real Madrid since the 2018 final at some point we were one of the very few teams in the world that Real Madrid hadn't beaten up until 2014 and since then I believe they've beaten us every single time I think we did have a nil-nil draw thrown in there here and there but since then we haven't beaten them since 2009 now this game was a bit of a mess a uh, quick anecdote uh, as to my story surrounding this game. So as I mentioned in one of my previous episodes, this past Tuesday was Fat Tuesday, the culmination of the Mardi Gras season in Louisiana, down in New Orleans. I did go out there. I was having a fantastic time, fantastic day. Touch of anxiety going into the game because I did expect Madrid to overcome us, overwhelm us, beat us, especially this particular Liverpool team considering the season that we've been having and going into the game going into the day I was just enjoying myself uh, you know carnival season just just parades and just New Orleans fantasticness all around come game time and just a quick note for anyone who's outside of the United States in the in these time zones here any Champions League ties are happening any midweek games are happening during the workday i did take the day off but during are happening during the workday and so it was about two o'clock 2 p.m in the afternoon the kickoff time i was deep within mardi gras shenanigans and i was keeping up with the score i i was watching the score i was looking for a bar where could i catch the game who would even be playing the game on the most festive of festive days in the new orleanian calendar and i look for a spot i look for a spot didn't find one as the game started i'm watching the the updates the live score from google and boom we go up one nil i'm excited Darwin Nunes, I'm very excited. We go up 2-0. I'm, I'm even more excited. I'm ecstatic within the first 15 minutes. And I'm thinking, hey, maybe, just maybe, Klopp can defeat his bogey team. And it might just be a little bit different. I did say that our season has somewhat hinged on these two most recent games where we beat Newcastle. Uh, in what could potentially be a top four six pointer and we have and then we had the second game up against Real Madrid and this one went about as poorly as you could possibly imagine after starting 2-0 up I did see that Vinicius scored Vinicius scored again at 2-2 I'm thinking geez um do I even want to catch this game because Real Madrid 
after having the momentum, considering that they are the Madrid team and and this is a team where you've got guys who've won the Champions League five times. They have their experience. They have the nous. They did it last year. They defeated us last year. They handled whatever pressure they needed to handle last year. Having having seen them come back, I mean, literally just looking at the scores, I didn't really look at any highlights. I kind of I had this feeling that all right, no, let me. I I might not want to look for a bar. I did end up looking for one. Didn't find one. Thankfully, because. As I was on the way to look for a bar, boom, I'm checking my phone, three, two. Oh, then the messages started to come in. <laughs> uh, that part of fandom that we absolutely love when we're on the winning side and we absolutely hate when we're on the losing side, the banter was flying in. And then 4-2, and I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to forget this and enjoy my fat, the rest of my Fat Tuesday. I had a fantastic time. Thank you for asking. And... Then 5-2, and uh, the messages kept coming in, and they kept coming in overnight, as well as my friends in other time zones were, were either waking up or going to sleep or whatever the case may be. And then I did, I had to sit myself down and be like, okay, I have to watch the highlights. I need to see what happened. And it went a little something like this, just a quick summarized version. Darwin Nunez with a fantastic flick. It looked like Liverpool started really, really well. High intensity, high, high octane. The exact type of performance that has been missing. The exact type of energy that has been missing from the team throughout the season. Started well. Darwin Nunez scores this beautiful flick past Thibaut Courtois. Uh, for the second goal, we're pressing them high. Courtois makes a stupid, very, very fundamental error. Uh, he takes way too many touches as a goalkeeper. Salah's in 2-0. You're thinking, all right, sweet. If we can just control the game. And as I thought that, as I as I thought that even watching the live scores, I thought there's no chance that we can control this game. This Liverpool team, nothing about them screams that they can control a game against a very high-quality opponent. We showed that once this season up against uh, Man City, but even Man City, their level has dropped a little bit uh, as as we have noted, as we have seen, as I will discuss a little bit later. And we just don't know how to... We, we can't consolidate a lead. We can't hold a lead. Our defense is shaky. And lo and behold, the first goal remembering this is purely based off highlights that I've seen, an extended highlight package. First goal, Vinicius, just world-class. I mean, I've waxed lyrical about this guy quite a lot. Um, I rate him quite highly. He goes through a lot of bullshit over in Spain. He kind of feeds into it a little bit, but he's a magnificent player, magnificent young player. He's probably going to be world-class for the foreseeable future, at least four or five years. He's won the Champions League already. Who's to say he won't win another one either this season, next season, or very, very soon? World-class. Absolutely fantastic strike. There's really nothing you can do about that. All right, cool. Allison makes a fundamental error while trying to play out from the back. He passes it right to Vinicius. Uh, essentially, Vinicius pressed very, very well. Carlo Ancelotti must have been ecstatic seeing that level of commitment to the cause there. Of course, he probably would have benched him if he didn't. 
ricochets off Vinicius, that's 2-2. The free kick, that's criminal. Absolutely criminal. Because I saw from a couple different angles, Militao, he stroll, he essentially just jogs right along the six-yard box into the most dangerous position that he could possibly be in, and no one reacts. Not Don Nunez, not Joe Gomez, not anyone else who was in that line there reacts to see the white shirt go past him. He's in for a free header on our six-yard box. 3-2, and at that point, the team looked like they probably just deflected at... I can't judge the body language, but I can imagine, I'm sure Anfield was deflated, having gone up 2-0 up against his bogey side, and then boom, 3-2 down. Then Benzema got a deflected shot off of Joe Gomez a little bit later, and then the counter-attack at the end where Fabinho loses the ball. Luka Modric is bursting forward at 55 years old, right through the middle of the field. He lays it off to Vinicius. Vinicius lays it off to Benzema. Benzema sits Allison down and finishes into not necessarily an empty net, but two defenders on the line. There's nothing they could do there. And it's game over. And I believe there's no chance that we can come back. Uh, in the second leg, we would need to beat them by three goals to take it to extra time or by four goals on the night within the 90. There is zero chance we're going to go to the Bernabeu and smack them around. The most recent time that Madrid have taken an absolute walloping in the Bernabeu was up against Ajax a couple of seasons ago, the season that Ajax made it to the semifinals. They lost 4-1 at home. That's not happening. There's zero chance because that Ajax team would beat this Liverpool team that we have here. Um, based upon a lot of the reaction, of course, there's going to be overreaction, a ridiculous um, result in general. I think that's the first time that we've ever conceded five goals in Europe ever, maybe. I'm not entirely sure on that, but I did see a stat, something to that effect, or it might have been at home. Of course, we've never conceded five goals at home in Europe terrible terrible night for Liverpool is especially if if they had gone up 5-0 and then we scored two goals we might look at it a little bit differently but the absolute capitulation after Vinicius scores that the the individual errors the the unluckiness of the Benzema deflection the the counter attack just oh man the free kick, the terrible defending from the free kick set pieces have been a little bit of an Achilles heel recently. Corners have been a problem for us, even in the Everton game. The corner in which I believe it was, not thinking of the defender's name, but he heads the ball onto the onto the crossbar and then we counter from there. We score. Lucky. But we're giving away too many free chances at corners, set pieces. It's it's a mess. It speaks to the organization there at the back. Our defense, I mean, we have a full complement just, just missing Konate. And Konate, he's been our best defender this season. So, sure, but Robertson's in there, Trent's in there, Van Dyke's back. Joe Gomez was showing quality Years ago, he's been very, very error-prone recently. But it's, it, it's, 
it speaks of the end of an era, uh, the end of a team. It's something that a lot of us have had to accept over the season, over the past couple of months, seeing the performances, seeing the lack of intensity, either ability or willingness, regardless of what it is. This iteration of the team is pretty much done. Now, questioning where we can go forward, uh, consider... Uh, Assuming that Madrid knock us out, they, they put us to bed in the second leg, uh, unless an absolute miracle takes place. We can still fight for top four. There are positives to take. I mean, we did go up 2-0 up against Real Madrid in the Champions League. So that is something to take. Darwin Nunes is scoring goals. Cody Gakpo has been on the score sheet recently. Salah is getting more involved so that front three that's been starting the past couple of games is beginning to gel there is something happening there Jota's back so on and so forth uh Luis Diaz should be back soon as well our midfield is a bit of a wasteland that's probably where the majority of the overhaul is going to have to be because like I said the attack is forming Things are taking place there. There are younger players coming in. Cody Gakpo is reasonably young. Darwin Nunes is reasonably young. Jota has years in him. Diaz has years in him. Uh, I believe Firmino is probably going to get a new contract. Um, so our attack is kind of set. We probably need a new center back as well, um, considering Matip has kind of fallen off a cliff. And we're going to need... A couple of midfielders. Uh, quite a few of them need to go. I've seen rumors that Mason Mount is unhappy at Chelsea considering the way that the new contract that they want to give him is not the kind of bread that he's trying to push. I would very much welcome him. Welcome uh, Jude Bellingham might be an absolute pipe dream at this point, especially if we don't make top four, which is randomly attainable but this team needs to discover some sort of consistency some sort of ability to control a game to hold on to a lead if you are one nil up with 15 minutes to go fucking hold the lead something these guys need to figure it out and so so that we can make a push for top four because that's not completely out of the out of the question at this point we have two games in hand uh, on Spurs, we can be up within about a point or two points of them. Everything's to play for. If Klopp can get these guys out of the or or lift them back up after this terrible result, which is going to hang on them for a while, it's going to hang on them for quite a long time. Considering that the second leg is something like three weeks from now, then we can salvage something from this season, and that's really, really what we need. We have Palace on the weekend. We go to the Selhurst Park. There's never an easy game, but it is a winnable game, especially if the attack is clicking. Bashetic, if he continues to play reasonably well, we can win those games. There are many winnable games for us. I, I believe we play Wolves soon after that at Anfield. We can beat them too. And then hopefully we can start to piece together a top four run and give Klopp the rebuild that he, he's been needing in the summer and just take it from there and forget this terrible, terrible season. On to other Champions League uh, action, a game that I actually did watch that I, I, I was able to catch 
Leipzig versus Man City. So no Kevin De Bruyne. I don't know what happened with him or if he's injured or something like that. Nkunku started on the bench. So he's back for Leipzig. He's an absolute baller. He, he was doing bits in the Bundesliga for about two seasons now. World-class player, I believe. City controlled the majority of this game. It was actually a dull game. I was kind of sad that I watched this one because the first half was a, an absolute snooze fest, to be honest. Um, Leipzig didn't play well. They didn't. They played extremely conservatively in the first half, especially. They barely. They they barely. I think they had one shot at the very end of the first half, and that was it. It was it was a very meek performance from them. Kind of, I wouldn't say cowardly. Oh well. Actually, do you know what? I will say cowardly because in that in the second half, they showed that they can come out and play. They can dictate things. They can maybe not dominate the game, but make it a, a competitive outing, a competitive fixture. But City kind of showing their, their, their lack of... Just showing that they're not on the same level as they were before because... They controlled the game. They couldn't find the opening. I mean, Leipzig have Guardiol back there, who's an absolute monster of a centre-back. He would be a fantastic matchup replacement, just by the way. And he, they marshaled, they they dealt with City's uh, attacks reasonably well. Jack Grealish, I see the value that he has in the City team more and more as I watch them more, as I watch him grow into the City team. He played reasonably well. Bernardo Silva playing all over the park. He doesn't really have a fixed position these days. He just plays wherever the fuck the ball is. Um, He did reasonably well. Mares, eh, not so much. Haaland, they couldn't really get him the chances that they needed to, especially when they play that super packed defense. It, It becomes very difficult for them for him but Mares did score uh, off of a uh, Leipzig I mean they, they could barely play out of the back Leipzig uh, they gave the ball away City pounced Riyad Mares scored 1-0 you're kind of thinking all right City are probably just gonna cont- contain control the game and see it out we go into the second half Leipzig they still looked a bit shaky, but once they wore that off, they provided a threat. They kind of showed that, A, we're a Champions League quality team. We are to be taken seriously. We're a knockout quality team. We are to be taken seriously. We can take the game to a team like Man City. Hendricks had a fantastic chance um, with a good header. Leipzig just played better. They pressed higher up the field. They got more of the ball. They they really showed that, okay, they are a decent side. But I do, even though they got the draw eventually through Guardiol, I mean, <laughs> he was doing a bit of a handstand on Ruben Diaz's shoulders there, knocked that bad boy into the back of the net. Um, gives Leipzig a bit of a, a chance going to the Etihad, but I do think City will get the job done. However, Man City and Pep Guardiola in the Champions League, they have a a, a very storied history of shooting themselves into the in the foot. And so I can't, I'm not 100% sure that they will make it happen, but I'm reasonably confident that City should see this one through and continue their European journey, try and break their Champions League duck, get that monkey off their back. With a team like Madrid lurking, with teams like Napoli lurking, I think it'll be tough. 
Um, based upon the first round of fixtures, there was nothing, no crazy results except for the Liverpool-Madrid game. I think everyone else only scored one or two goals, one, two or zero. So reasonably even ties, nothing ridiculous. I think it was last season when Bayern smacked the team like 7-1 or something like that in the first round. So there hasn't been anything crazy like that. So hopefully that competitiveness continues into the second legs and then throughout the rest of the tournament. And unfortunately, I'm pretty sure Liverpool will not be a part of that. On to Europa League action, and this was probably the best tie over the past two two weeks in terms of European football. Man United versus Barcelona, the second leg at Old Trafford. It wasn't as good as this, as the first game. The first game was kind of end to end. This one was really really good. Barcelona. So okay, first thing I, I'll speak about. A little bit of what, what what took place, some of the match events, but I, I just don't understand this team. Kessier, uh signed from from Milan in the summer for, on a free. He's, I'm sure he, he came to the team to start. I'm sure in his mind he's like, I'm going to start. Uh, who's this kid, Pedri? Who's this kid, Gavi? Like, oh, oh, get the fuck out of here. I'm, I'm starting. I'm Kessier. I just won the one Serie A with Milan for the first time in 11 years. He's been on the bench for the most part. But he was he was really good. I think he he played quite well, especially in the first half for Barca. He he was his player. Him and Frankie De Jong they stood out uh, as as the two top players there. I, uh, they didn't get enough from Rafinha, and uh, this game was kind of a it was kind of a a, a summation or a, a summary a battle of two Brazilian players who play on the right wing who move who made big money moves to the teams they're at right now Anthony obviously is the second is the other Brazilian player that I'm referring to the right winger and it was kind of a a bit of a, a contrast between the two Rafinha he hasn't fully settled into that Barca team however the few times that I've seen him play well Barca are humming they're they're close to unstoppable when Rafinha plays well on that right wing Anthony he started on fire he kind of dipped in form he hasn't been a guaranteed starter recently he started this game I can't say he played well I, I cannot say he played well a lot of the time and it's the same with Rafinha those attacks die on that wing so they they always go down that wing and they die so they'll either dribble into a blind alley, they'll lose the ball, they'll cross, uh, make a terrible cross or something, overhit it, underhit it, just a lot of inconsistent play that y- you just can't rely on these guys just yet. I-, I don't know if they're going to grow into the stature of the clubs of Man United and Barcelona, considering even though Anthony comes from a, an absolute... European powerhouse in Ajax, uh, you know, historically in in the Dutch league, they run the show. But on the continent these days, they aren't really in the picture. Rafinha when, was at Leeds. It's a big club, but I mean, Leeds and Man United, different tiers in terms of size and prestige and history and so on and so forth. So they both made step ups in terms of world stage. 
and neither of them are really set the world alight, but their performances on this night, essentially, it was the difference maker. But before that, before we get to how that difference and the contrast and the play there that really, really shows, or not shows, but decided the tie, essentially, we had, I think it was a bit of a soft penalty on Bruno Fernandes. I, I do like to see Bruno Fernandes get his comeuppance when it comes to these sorts of diving shenanigans and surrounding penalties. He grabs on to Balder there uh, and concedes a penalty i think it was a little bit soft but it is what it is sometimes i mean if you're grabbing onto a dude in the penalty box and the ref calls it you can't really complain regardless of if it was soft or not Lewandowski sticks it home barca i believe they they played reason they played that first half quite well they managed the game they created a few openings they controlled the game they managed it they looked like an experienced team especially in that first half even though they aren't necessarily an experienced team in and with them themselves in the second half united came to play i don't know what ten hog said i've i've waxed lyrical about this guy what he's been doing with united in literally his first season in comparison to the absolute trash that they were last year it just goes to show what a proper manager can do when they're backed when they get their players in he's he's changing the philosophy the philosophy the mentality of that united team which is very bad news for everyone uh everyone else in the premier league and apparently europe so they come out to play fred finishes off a united move and united from this point onwards they were creating chance after chance after chance they got in behind that barca defense so many times so many times it 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 kind of baffles me It, it doesn't make any sense because this is a barca team who have only conceded seven goals seven goals in la liga this season they're far far and away at the top but they could randomly fall away we've seen these sorts of things happen before but they've only conceded seven goals in all of la liga three of those goals were up against real madrid in in the classical so they've conceded something like four goals in 21 games in la liga i don't understand it because united got in behind them a million and one times so many times they looked porous it didn't make any sense as to how this is the same team that in la liga they're almost you you can barely score against them they have a million clean sheets but in europe they've conceded something like double the number of goals in europe as they've conceded in in la liga doesn't make any fucking sense but chevy i don't know what's going on i saw something about a comparison between Xavi and Conte that might just be the case because it's very well known and I'll, I'll say it again and again and again Antonio Conte does not do shit in Europe Xavi might just be the same way because I mean they got dumped out of the Champions League it was a very tough group to be fair but they got dumped out of the Champions League into Europa League and they've conceded four goals in two games against a united team who to be fair to this united team they've been fantastic um and moving forward fred scores that goal they they level it up barca they 
they created a few good chances. I mean, Jules Kounde had that header. Dekeo with a fantastic save. I believe Lewandowski, after they were down 2-1, had that chance uh, which was cleared off of the line. But on the overall look of the game, when when we get to the point where Rafinha kind of gets muscled off of the ball, Bruno Fernandes puts the ball in a couple of block shots. It eventually falls to Anthony. Anthony puts it home into the far corner. Old Trafford erupts. And you kind of feel as though the right team won, the better team won. The the overall flow of the game kind of spoke to United doing should have gone through. Uh, and you can argue the exact same considering the first leg as well. This was a it was a very entertaining game. The quality of play was extremely high considering it was a Europa League round of thirty two. Or, or or the the opportunity to play into in the round of 16 for Europa League. So it, it, it kind of felt like heavyweights fighting in a very small stadium um, after a little bit of a fall from grace. But nonetheless, it was a fantastic, fantastic European tie. United keep rumbling on. They keep rolling. They keep getting these results. They have so many wins on the season they're in four competitions and who's to say who's to say that they don't just pick up their first trophy uh, in six years on sunday i fucking hope not but let's see what happens and now it's my favorite time of the week the time in of which i announce my player of the week award and this week it's going to be james ward prowse He's been a fantastic. He's been an absolute stalwart for the Southampton team. He's helped them stay up with crucial goals here in here and there and everywhere in the past couple of years. He's the one player. He's second to Lionel Messi in terms of direct free kick goals since 2016. I mean, he he's Mister Southampton at this point. He scored a crucial, very, very good free kick as per usual up against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge this past weekend. He's keeping them in the fight. He's done it year in and year out. He's helping that Southampton team, who are a young team now, to at least get some points, get something going so that they can stay up. I don't think they'll get it done this year. But shout out to him. You are the player of the week, James Ward-Prowse keep fighting that good fight maybe the saints will stay up maybe not but you just keep scoring your free kicks you are a fantastic player uh big ups my guy very big ups now moving forward considering that's the the european experience is over for the moment moving into the domestic leagues what's happening like i said united versus newcastle on sunday league cup final Massive game, massive game for both both clubs. Newcastle haven't won a, a trophy since what the sixties, if not the fifties. They are desperate for some silverware, and they're a little bit fucked because, considering that Nick Pope got that red card up against Liverpool uh, on the weekend, and thank you for those three points, we absolutely need them. They are without their first choice and Dubravka's cup tied. So their second choice goalkeeper, they're probably going to have to play Loris Carriers. For those of you who do not remember Loris Carriers, he played for Liverpool as a shot stopper in the Champions League final. He got concussed. He gave the ball away. He 
fucked up a couple of times actually I think two separate times essentially lost us the game and then he never played for Liverpool ever again that guy is up against United in the League Cup final Newcastle's first cup final since I think the 90s or something like that <laughs> go big or go home it could be a massive massive redemption story imagine they go to penalties and he saves three to win Newcastle their first trophy in 150 years that would be amazing but reality doesn't often work that way and the likelihood that he fucks up and gives the ball away to what works for United to win the game 4-0 is I think far more likely <laughs> but um rooting for Newcastle in that one I hope they do win that uh, not necessarily for this whole Saudi regime or anything like that but to see United not win that competition is far more important to me than Newcastle winning it outside of that Spurs versus Chelsea on Sunday the game before the League Cup final should be a good one both teams are super vulnerable both teams could use a couple of good results this would be a very big win for them especially Chelsea and Graham Potter who I do believe is a good manager but that job might just be too big for him right now it might be it might be it might have come too early in his career before he got to the point of uh, of developing the stature and charisma and character that he would need to leave lead a massive massive club like Chelsea Football Club I don't know we'll see what happens Antonio Conte and his his super inconsistent Spurs team who knows what kind of performance they'll put in so that, that should always be a good watch very very feisty London derby looking forward to that one very much looking forward to that one but the Big one for me, the big, big game is in the Bundesliga this weekend. Union Berlin up against Bayern Munich. The title race in Germany is just fantastic. If you want, I know I've, I've shared all over the Bundesliga quite a few times. Bayern has won this thing 10 times in a row. They lost most recently. They got an early red card and then they lost the game against Gladbach. Very, very interesting. Which means that at this moment Bayern Union Berlin and Borussia Dortmund are all level on points and so it's essentially anyone's race Dortmund are in fantastic form they've won something like five games in a row if not six in a row if you were to include the Champions League game up against Chelsea, they are killing it right now. They're kind of steamrolling their way and they're really, really getting the momentum going into the most important, decisive part of the season. If they can actually beat Bayern for the first time in I don't know how long, every single time I watch it, the Classica, Dortmund versus Bayern, titles on the line or Dortmund need to win this game to get within two points of Bayern or anything of that nature they always lose it they always always lose it Erling Haaland or not Jaden Sancho or not time and time again they com continually fuck up those title race six pointers I believe they play Bayern in a couple months so maybe in a few weeks time not soon but Union Berlin can show that hey we aren't just a fluke they did go to Leipzig and win 2-1 um, they've been in Leipzig 2-1 about five times in a row recently uh, in the past couple of years so if they can take points off of Bayern or potentially even win that game ooh -wee. 
that's going to be a very, very interesting, tasty, tasty title race coming up in the next two months. Hopefully, Bayern also do not find that Bayernness in them and start destroying teams because that'll be a very boring watch. And apart from the English title race, Spain looks a little bit dull. Italy's wrapped up and I don't watch the French league. So of the top five leagues, only Germany and England look somewhat interesting. Hopefully, hopefully Germany stays interesting and and we might get a Union Berlin winning the title. Uh, we might get Dortmund winning their first title since Jurgen Klopp back in 2012. So that's my most anticipated game of the weekend. Liverpool will also be playing Crystal Palace. There should be a full host of, of Premier League games on as well. I will leave it at that. Ladies and gentlemen, theys and thems, uh, give a Liverpool fan a hug this week, this weekend, uh, whenever you can, because they're going through it. Um, and on that note, I leave you. Please have a fantastic day. Lots of football to watch this weekend, as always. And take care.